faith for for prosperity, faith for finances, however you want to say it. I think we've gotten it titled two different ways, different weeks. I've said different things, but days of prosperity, faith for faith for prosperity. Hallelujah. Tonight we're going to look in Jeremiah chapter 17. And we've mentioned this before, but it is imperative that we have a constant inflow of faith. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. We need a constant inflow of faith to, uh, to, to maintain a, a proper perspective, to keep ourselves walking above this world system. Hallelujah. The world system is corrupt. It is... Uh, Cursed, Hallelujah! The Bible, uh, the 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 Bible says that Satan is the god of this world or the god of this world system. That word "world" there in that scripture in Corinthians is the word "cosmos," which means world system. So uh, that's why everything's in a mess financially, and that's why nobody knows what the solution is, and nobody knows what caused it, and nobody, and you know, of course, everybody blames everybody else, fought a finger pointing, but nobody knows what caused it, nobody knows what the solution is, nobody knows, uh, we, we're, we don't, uh, because it's being, uh, we, it's being uh, controlled by Satan. Men that are in political office, unless they are born again, it's like, uh, they are a glove and the devil has their, his hand in the glove and he simply controls them. The Bible says he takes men that aren't saved captive at his will. That means if you are not born again, the Satan can just decide to push you or lead you over this way influence your mind in a certain way you after all you belong to him hallelujah that's why you never want to marry somebody that's not a christian uh because somebody said the devil is your father-in-law when you marry somebody that's not a christian you have now made the devil your father-in-law hallelujah because they that you know I, i know we don't often hear these things even churches don't preach these things you will hear songs and hear things about, you know, uh, that, the, that we're all a family in the earth. But we're not a family. We're not in their family. They may think we're in their family just because we kind of look like they do. We are human beings, but we're not in their family. We don't claim that family. Hallelujah. We've been uh, made a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. We've been washed in the blood. Born again. And washed in the blood of Jesus. And we're a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. And it's such a privilege. So, uh, this world system, though, is out there. So, turn to Jeremiah 17. Are you there? And we're going to read in verse 5 and down through verse 8. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Well, now that is just, that's specific, isn't it? He didn't mince any words, did he? Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. That's talking about making a human part being your strength. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh. 
but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in an assault land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man, or blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. I like that blessed man. Hallelujah. Won't even see when heat comes. Leaf will always be green. Shall not be careful in the year of drought. Hallelujah. Or famine, we could say. So the cursed man trusts in himself or, or other uh, human, just trust in human flesh. Uh, and his heart is not toward God. We cannot look to man. We are, God does not want us looking to man, not, not even in, when we have situations. He doesn't want us getting our answers from lawyers. You, ought to, you may have to use a lawyer, but you ought to get your answer of what you're supposed to do from God. Uh, uh, we may go to a banker, but he's not our counsel. And you ought to make sure when you go, you're not using him for counsel. You may go to a lawyer and say, now what does the law say? Because you don't understand what the law says. What are my rights? What are this? But then what you do should be based on the counsel of the Lord. Amen? Okay, so uh, the result for this cursed man is he has no fruit, he has no hope, and he has no future. He has no lasting fruit. He may, the Bible says he'll be there, and then all of a sudden the heat, he'll just, it's like he'll vanish away. That says that in Psalms. The blessed man trusts God with his whole heart. Praise God. The result is he has, he's a thriving tree. His roots are deep. He doesn't have any fear, and he produces fruit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, Chapter 17 in verse 8 there, uh, let's see, um, in the Message Bible, it says, they're like, this is the blessed man, they're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers, never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit every season. So the blessed man is not wringing his hands at gas prices. He's not uh, wringing his hands when it hadn't rained all summer. The blessed man is just, hallelujah, blessed. Uh, turn over to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. We have this backed up here, what we're supposed to be. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or sitteth, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So we don't go to the ungodly for counsel. We don't go to the sinner for counsel. In other words, the non-born again man. And we do not sit in the seat and listen to the scornful. That could be anything from, uh, there's TV shows where they're very scornful sitcoms where they're very scornful and disrespecting and disrespecting to authority. Uh, a lot of those uh, uh, like uh, that John Stewart and people like that, very disrespectful to authority, scornful. We don't sit in the council of that. Uh, there are uh, other 
so it's not always just a human man is my point. It can be a, a, a radio show or a TV show. It can be other things. It can be books. Books where they're they're scornful. They're they 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 downplay God and make fun of God. I know I've seen little things where uh, Saturday Night Live will make fun of God and and uh, everything. So we don't sit in that seat in that in the scornful seat. But we're blessed. We're blessed because in our delight is in the law of the Lord and in His law we meditate day and night. And we will be like a tree planted by rivers of water. It bringeth forth in fruit this season. My leaf also shall not wither, and whatever we doeth shall prosper. But it says here in verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft which the wind drieth away. You know what? You will look over at the ungodly and you'll say, Man, they're doing good. It looks like they're doing good. And the next thing you know, they've moved out of town or they're getting a divorce. Or, you know, it's hallelujah. You know, or the law come and arrested them. And everybody's like, wow, that just all of a sudden happened. The law came in and just arrested them. They're not, they're like the shaft. It's, it, but we are steady. We are stable. We're blessed every year. We're, we just, and we're, and we're peaceful. We have supernatural peace. We know even if it's bad, God will make a way for us. Everything will turn out amazing, you know. We just aren't, we're not upset when tornadoes are coming and hurricanes are coming and, and gas prices are high and groceries are high. And you know, I don't even think about it. I mean, sometimes I go, well, you know, prices have gone up, but I never think about it in the sense of, you know, whoa, woe is me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Turn to Luke chapter 6. So, uh, it's so blessed to be blessed. It's so blessed to be a Christian. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 6. And be full of His Word. Thank you, Lord. Luke six forty six. Okay. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He's asking a question here. Why do you say Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, Lord God, but you don't do what I say? We shouldn't be like that, should we? Okay. Verse 47. Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings, and doeth them, I will show you whom he is like. In verse 48, He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. He said, that's what the man that listens to me is like. He's a man that his house is built on a foundation of pure rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. That rock is the Word of God. That rock is revelation knowledge. Verse 49, And he that heareth and doeth not. Now is that person, you know, listen to what it says. Is This man's hearing the same sermon preached you're hearing, but he doesn't do it. He does not have an intent to do the Word of God. He comes and listens. It's just a sermon to him. It's just his Sunday obligation. He's coming to church, but he has no intention of doing what, what's being said or what's being taught. He is like a man that with, without a foundation, that would be uh, bad, without a foundation, built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So we have a situation here where we have two kinds of ground. We have two kinds of houses built on two different situations. Another In another place in the Bible, it talks about the house that's built on the rock and the house that's built on the sand. And uh, 
the the wise man builds his house upon the rock. We sing that in Sunday school, didn't we? And the foolish man builds his house upon the sand. But the really interesting thing is that both houses, the same storm comes to both houses. So we have the same condition, but different results. We can be in the same conditions as our unbelieving neighbor, but we will have different results. The same conditions that, ha- the conditions that come will bless us and it will curse him. It's like that stone which the builders rejected. Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. He's a blessing to us, but he's a curse. That, that stone is a curse to him. That curse is, that stone's going to fall on them and break them in two eventually. Not right now. We're in the dispensation of grace. But, or it's like the word that pastor's been preaching about. The same word can come to Pharaoh. It hardens his heart, but it can come to somebody else and just bless them completely. Same conditions, different results. Hallelujah. Same storm, different outcome. Hallelujah. Sometimes I I know when I drove through neighborhoods after the tornado, I would see that. I would see houses that looked like nothing happened, except that it looked like a war zone in all the houses around them. And I would, I told pastor, I said, look, there's a tither there. Now, I don't know that for sure, but I, I really think that myself. I said, there's a tither. There's a, you know, there's a man of faith. There's a tither. Same conditions. Different results. And four houses just surrounding them. Praise God. Hallelujah. So let's say this together. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I am not subject to the times. I will keep obeying God. I will keep tithing. I will keep sowing seed. I will keep walking by faith. I will keep going to church. I am separated from the curse of lack. I am connected to the blessing of Abraham. I am thriving, flourishing, increasing, enlarging, experiencing God's supernatural provision. I call this month Prosperity Month for my household. Okay, I'm going to read you a little part of a prophecy now, okay? And this was Charles Capps in 1978. He said, yes, there's coming a financial inversion in the world system. It's been held in reservoirs of wicked men for days on end, but the end is nigh. Those reservoirs shall be tapped and shall be drained into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It shall be done, saith the Lord. It shall be done in the time allotted, and so shall it be that the word of the Lord shall come to pass, that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Hallelujah. Now that was a whole page of prophecy, but that's the part that I wanted to read to you. Now I want to talk a little bit more now and keep going, talking about, uh, that was kind of the finish up from last week. So now we'll start on the same thing though, faith for finances, how we can thrive in the midst of famine. What are some ways we can thrive? So turn to Genesis chapter 26. How can we thrive in the midst of famine? I, I, I truly believe that famine is coming to the United States of America. And by famine, I'll tell you what I mean by that. Uh, Genesis 26.1, And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went up unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. So it says there was a famine in the land. Famine, uh, the definition of famine is severe shortage, 
Uh, so in the time, and so that doesn't mean necessarily you don't have money, but if there's severe shortage, that still affects things, right? Extreme scarcity, serious economic downturn. Another definition for famine could be high prices or lack, lack. Out of you know, so there's going to be there will be famine in the land. There was famine in Abraham's day, and then again another famine in Isaac's day. Uh, there's been famines uh, since then, and there will always be famine until Jesus returns. Um, so um, when there's a famine, scarcity, shortage, high prices, lack, any of those things, it is a dark time for those who don't know God. But let me say something else now. It's also a dark time for those who don't know their covenant with God. In other words, you could know Jesus Christ as Savior, but not be aware of covenant, and it still be a dark time for you. So we want to be seriously aware of our covenant and really putting a demand on covenant at all times, whether it's times of blessing and and uh, high good times financially, um, or whether it's times of famine, serious shortage, lack, high prices, or whatever. So, what does the word tell us about famine? I'm gonna. You can. You don't have to turn here because I want to read this in the New Living Translation. But Job five twenty, and verse twenty two also, he says, "He will save you from death in time of famine. You will laugh at destruction and famine. He will save you from death in time of famine. You will laugh at it." Say, ha ha, I am not afraid of famine. And, and then in Psalm 33, 18 and 19 in the New Living Translation, you can look these up later in the King James if you want to. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy. No, that's the King James. This part's not. The New Living Translation says those that rely on His unfailing love. Those that hope in His mercy and the New Living, it's rely on His unfailing love to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. So we rely on His unfailing love to keep us, to deliver us from death and to keep us alive in famine. Psalm 37, 18 and 19. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. The Hebrew says in that verse, He will supply until no more is needed. I like that. So when we, the main, one of the main things is we have to make sure in this, that we approach every situation in faith. Pastor and I have started putting that to practice into some other areas of our life. Besides just finances, we've always had to walk by faith financially. God uh, gave us a word in um, 19... Uh, 82, before we started pastoring, we started pastoring in 82, but this was in the spring of the year. And uh, we uh, some prophets came to our uh, a church meeting. It, was a, it wasn't in a church, but it was a special meeting. And some prophets came, and they called us out. And one of the words that we got, besides a word that would propel us into the ministry. But one of the words we got was, I'm going to begin to stretch your faith in some seemingly painful ways. And uh, that's not a word you want to hear from God. <laughs> but he started doing that in 1982, but he did it for our benefit because he knew 
And you know, you think that and you think bad, that well, he's going to do that by giving you bad times. No, sometimes he stretches your faith by giving you good things. Like for instance, he led us to buy a house we were making a $122 a month house payment in Seagraves. He led us to buy a house in Seminole that had a $700 and something dollar house payment. Now, it was a nice house, but you know what that did? It stretched our faith, you know, and it, but because we couldn't do some of the things we've had to do in the ministry if we didn't have, if we didn't get, start getting our faith stretched, learning how to believe Him. He stretched our faith by telling us we had a paid-for car. It was a Suburban. We had a paid-for Suburban. And he said, go to Lubbock. go to." And he actually told us what dealership to go to and how much to ask. We took it up there and said, this is what we want for this Suburban. They wrote us a check. And we came up. But that stretched our faith because who wants to give up a paid-for car? And so we got another little car, and then we, then we were sitting on, we were sitting in our back, uh, like a sunroom thing. And one day, and I, we were praying. I was praying, and the Lord said, "Time to believe me for a new car." Well, He did that to stretch our faith. I mean, a lot of Christians won't, they won't let God bless them. Number one, because we could have just stayed there with our little cheaper car. And most people would have said, well, now, you know, you've got a limited budget, you've got a limited salary, you've got, and you know, this church and all this responsibility. But God thinks different than we think. He said, no, let's stretch them. And so he had us believe, and, and, I, and uh, so, so we got this Lincoln uh, Continental. It was pretty. I mean, I don't think it'd be pretty now, but boy, in the in the 80s, that was one pretty car. And uh, so, so, so one day, you know, sure enough, our faith is getting stretched. So I'm in the garage praying because my washer and dryer's in the garage. That was stretching my faith too. Hallelujah. But anyway, so I'm in the garage praying, and I look over at that car, and you know, things are, I'm stretched. Things are not loose financially you know we're believing God and man it feels tough it feels hard when your face being stretched doesn't it and so I look at that car and I said oh God I wish we hadn't bought that car I wish we had kept that little cavalier with that little bitty payment and he said you wouldn't have had a bit more plain as day he said you wouldn't have had a bit more I said, really? Why not? He said, because your faith is making up the difference. But so sometimes we think, well, God's going to stretch your faith. It's going to be, well, it's going to be bad. There's not going to be food. There's not going to be anything else. No, sometimes he's going to bless you and give you something that's going to really stretch you to believe him for it. But, you're, but you'll do it and, and you'll be bigger for it, bigger on the inside. How would we have ever moved to Alabama if we hadn't let God stretch our faith there in Texas? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so, uh, hallelujah. So, even in famine, we will have more than enough. He will supply until no more is needed. We must, uh, we must always have an approach of faith in every situation. Have that spirit of faith. That means spirit of faith to me is not just, you know, one area of faith, but it's like a whole attitude of faith, approaching every day in faith, approaching, you know, some, not dreading. Not dreading. You know, you got to go do something you don't want to do. Like go have endoscopy or something like that. And you go, oh, I'm dreading it. And I'm so, no, approach in faith. Approach in faith. 
I'm just trusting you with all I have, Lord. I'm putting my whole trust in you and approaching faith. Now, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to wake up and be awake all night because I have to get up at 5 o'clock and go see, you know, that's having a spirit of faith. You may not have total success at it. You may wake up, but you just tell yourself, go back to sleep. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, I, don't, I don't know. We just have to get that whole spirit about us in every situation. Whether it's buying groceries, I'm not going to go and like, oh, it's so high. And I got these four kids and they're eating us out of house and home. Hallelujah. You know, no, you know, praise God. No, I'm going in the spirit of faith. My God will supply our need. And Lord, you gave me these kids and you'll feed them somehow. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I want us to be like that. I want it to be where our faith is spoken of throughout the whole county of Tuscaloosa. Uh, they're just amazed at how in faith you are. Well, how can you be that way with all that's going on? Well, I know my God. I have a covenant with Almighty God. A covenant? I never heard that before. Well, you do. So in famine, we don't just survive, we thrive. We prosper, we flourish, we succeed, we make advance. We, make, we take new ground in famine. We advance in famine. We don't have to say, well, now, you know, when these high grass prices are over, we might have something uh, decent. Or, when, or, or have you ever thought this way like I did? Well, now, when we get these kids out of school, we will have a lot of money. I have got news for you. Because your faith is making up the difference. That's why, that's why. God doesn't cut back when the kids get out of school, but your faith is making up the difference. Oh, when we get this car paid for, we're going to have so much money. Or I know every young mother thinks, when I get this kid off of diapers and off of formula, I will be wealthy. Hallelujah. Because I remember in 1981 that the formula was $30 a month in 1981 for him. That my daddy used to say, he, he eats so much he makes him poor to carry it. That means he was tiny, but he could eat. <laughs> so anyway, hallelujah. So you think that, but your faith is filling in the gaps, making up the difference. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Also, uh, we thrive, we grow vigorously. When we are in a season of famine, it's when we, we ought to be, well, first of all, we ought to be growing spiritually all the time. But we ought to be growing vigorously in famine. I don't know if you dare pray this, but you might ought to pray, God, stretch my faith. I don't know if anybody wants to pray that in this room. <laughs> Increase in goods and estate. Proverbs 10.22 He's probably going to anyway, so you, yeah. you know, anyway. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blessing of the Lord. Thank you that he maketh rich. Thank you, Lord. It, he doesn't add sorrow to it. The, the, the wicked get rich, but there's sorrow in it. You know, they lose their wife because they're working night and day. Or they go to jail because they're doing something illegal. That's sorrow in it, you know. Or you know they're addicted to something and they're having to, they're selling something and they get addicted. But there's no sorrow in the Lord making us rich. At Genesis twenty six. We already read that. 
verse 1 says, uh, it actually says that, that he thrived, Isaac thrived in famine. Uh, let's read down. We read one. Let's read two. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give unto thee thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And so uh, he uh, t reminded Isaac of the Abrahamic covenant. He said the covenant's still in force. And he reminded uh, Isaac that the way Abraham got blessed was he obeyed him. And that is one of the things that I think a Christians a lot of times believe that they will be able to be blessed without being obedient. And that is a mistake. We live under a dispensation of grace. For instance, Sunday morning, we talked about the little boy with the loaves and fishes. Now, the, those little, it was up to that little boy whether he gave those loaves and fishes or not, just like it's up to you whether you give or not. God will never force you to give. But if the little boy hadn't given his loaves and fishes, God would have probably found somebody else there that would, Jesus would have, because, you know, there's no doubt somebody else in that multitude of people had a snack. This was just the first one they came on to that had a snack. This is the one Andrew saw. And so if he hadn't, God would have, Jesus would have found something to multiply. But if the little boy hadn't been willing to give it, he wouldn't have got the miracle. And that's the way it is today. God is not going to slap you upside the head if you don't obey Him, but you won't get the miracle you would have had if you did. God will bless you as far as He can even if you don't tithe. He just, you just won't get the miracles and the open windows that you would have got if you did. And another thing, if you don't tithe and you know to, now there's people that don't know to, if you don't tithe but you know to, your heart will condemn you. First John 5 says, if, you're, if our heart condemn us not, that's no, not 5, it's 3, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God because we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So, uh, but if you know to do something, you don't do it, your heart's going to condemn you. Even though God's not condemning you, but your heart will condemn you because you knew to do right and you did it not. Then you don't have confidence towards God. So when you go to ask in prayer, guess what? You're not in faith. You don't have confidence toward God. Your heart's condemning you. Now, it's not right for our heart to condemn us if it doesn't have a right to. Sometimes our heart, like for instance, if you sin... Then you repent, your heart will still treat, that's your soul, your part, the part of your heart that's your soul. Your soul will still try, keep trying to condemn you, keep trying to make you feel guilty. Well, that's not right. We need to tell our soul to shut up and say there's no condemnation for there's those that are in Christ Jesus. But when we've known to do right and we did it not, the Bible says for him it's sin. And so, uh, Praise God. So a lot of Christians, though, believe, they're, and, they're, and it's foolish to believe, oh, God bless me. Oh, God do this. God do that. And, 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 I'm, yeah, and pastor says, now let's say this. I'm going to thrive. I'm going to do this. But do you tithe? No, I don't tithe. Well, now I'm preaching the choir today. But, you know, maybe the tape will go out somewhere in the universe, somewhere. In, hallelujah. You never know where these things are going. Praise God. So part of the 
the way we're going to stay in faith and have confidence is just to be obedient. And that's how we get covenant to flow is by obedience. Hallelujah. So increasing goods in Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing of the Lord. Oh, I already did that. I'm way past that. Okay. So uh, he, in this case, in chapter 26 of Genesis, God told Isaac, he said, stay where you are. He had sent him to this place and he said, now stay there. And that was a, a, a he needed to be obedient to God in order to be provided for during this famine. He needed to be obedient. Hallelujah. God needed him there. Listen, it's not a matter of where you want to be. It's where God needs you to be. And you are blessed where God needs you to be, not where you want to be. You say, well, God gives us the desires of our heart. Well, first of all, I think that's the most under, over, no, overused scripture in all of the Bible. But what really it says is that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, God gives us the desires of our heart. And if we're truly desiring ourselves in the Lord, He causes the desires in our heart to be what He desires. Hallelujah. And our heart and soul can have different desires. Our spirit man and our soul can have different desires. Your soul can be pulling you one way. See, your soul is and you wants to be comfortable. Your soul don't want to rock the boat, for sure. But your spirit man wants to please God. And so we have to follow our spirit. And um Hallelujah. And sometimes that can make our soul uncomfortable. In the, like in, I'm going to begin to stretch your faith in some seemingly painful ways. It made my soul uncomfortable. Even though God gave me a blessing of a better car and it was nice, it still made my soul uncomfortable because it stretched me. Hallelujah. So uh, <clears throat> Zechariah 8.13 in the New Living Translation, Among the other nations, Judah and Israel became symbols of a cursed nation. When they were disappointed, dis disobedient to God, Israel and Judah became symbols of a cursed nation. And then it says, But no longer. Now I will rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. A symbol and a source of blessing. Say, I am a symbol and a source of blessing to this world. So then he says, So don't be afraid. Be strong. Get on with rebuilding the temple. So get on with what God's called you to do. Don't be afraid. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Walk on the water. Hallelujah. We are a symbol of the blessing. We are a source of the blessing. In Genesis 12, 2 and 3 in the Amplified, he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you with abundant increase of favors and make your name famous and distinguished. Say famous, famous. Distinguished. distinguished. And you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. You are a blessing dispenser. Hallelujah. If you, if in you all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed, and by the, you, and by you they will bless themselves. By you, Tuscaloosa County is blessed. Amen. Pray everywhere you go, you're a blessing. Even if you just pick up something for somebody or open the door for somebody or tell somebody, man, you look really nice today. You look pretty today. You know, somebody told me yesterday, 
oh, you look really pretty. And I'm like, you know, that makes you feel really good for somebody to tell you you look really good. Hallelujah. And the older you get, the more it'll make you feel good. Hallelujah. It will. And uh, praise God. I want that Mary Kay anointing. Uh, you know, not the one from her makeup, the one from knowing God that glows from the out, inside out. Hallelujah. Where they don't even really see what you look at. They don't see wrinkles because they can't see it for the glory, for the, uh, for the, for the glow. Hallelujah. Praise God. Psalm 21, verse 6 in the Amplified. You make him to be blessed and a blessing forever. Say, I am blessed, I am blessed. And, a blessing forever. and a blessing forever. Hallelujah. Even when you're old, make up your mind to be a blessing. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, I just won't go into that, but... <laughs> But I want to be a bless. I don't want my kids to go, oh, Lord, mom is coming over today. I don't want them to, I want them to say, boy, isn't she a blessing to be around? Hallelujah. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on being more of a blessing. Somebody told me the other day, Michael's mom, she said, you know, I'm being very conscious of how people see me, how they, how they remember me. She's getting to that age where she knows it won't be long till we'll be remembering her instead of knowing her. And she wants us to remember her in a good light. And so it's causing her to change and to soften. You know, when Michael was a um, teenager, her nickname was the Warden. And now she's soft and she's and her and her kitchen was closed at all times. You know, and uh, unless it was mealtime, the kitchen was closed. And uh, that's why he married me. Our kitchen was open all the time. <laughs> now, my dad that is the truth. My dad's nickname for him was Long Gut. Cause he came over into our house and filled up. And also his other nickname was Romeo. I mean, you know, he was just, uh, you know. Well, is Romeo coming over tonight? <laughs> he was always saying things like that. Hallelujah. So, so Mimi wants to be remembered different than her past. Hallelujah. And I'm sure all of us do <laughs> in some area or another. Thank you, Jesus. Um. In Genesis 26, verse 12, it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. That hundredfold there, you might just say, and you might want to write this out in the margin of your Bible, unusual yield. Unusual yield. It was unusual for that area, for that season of and especially during famine to get a hundredfold. So he had a very unusual yield. Say in 2012, I'm getting an unusual yield on the seed that I sow. 
Hallelujah. Turn. Oh, you don't have to turn there. I'll just read it because this is new living. Psalm 65, 11 through 13. You crown the year with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Hallelujah. I like that. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. They shall all shout and sing for joy. Hallelujah. So in the same year that he sowed, he reaped. Now we know that doesn't always happen. I know I have sown seed that I'm still waiting on to receive the harvest. But in that year... Uh, I believe that that will be true, especially the, the, in the more difficult times, we will see quicker harvests. And of course, as Jesus, the time of His return gets closer, we will have to have very quick harvests. Because Mark chapter 10 verse 29 says that when we, do, when we sow certain things, that we will reap in this lifetime. So if you sow something a month before the rapture, you're going to have to reap fast. Especially in Mark 10, 29, talks about houses and lands and stuff like that. You're going to have to have a quick harvest because God will not, not violate His Word. He will not go back on His Word. Now, I personally have given the Lord some uh, very respectful instructions that some of the things I believe for, I do not want them one month before the rapture. I want longer to enjoy them. Amen. But, you know, we're going to be sowing seed the day before the rapture. And some of that seed we, we will reap in the millennium. Hallelujah. I believe we're going to come back from the, the, the uh, rapture in the seven years in heaven, and we're going to come back to some things that some, and prepared for us here, right here on earth. Hallelujah. I've already picked out a neighborhood over there in the real ritzy section that I thought, I'll live here in the millennial reign. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah, I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him live there too. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So, uh, you know, and uh, hallelujah. Brother Copeland said the Lord spoke to him and said, you're coming right back here to Eagle Mountain during the millennial reign. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he already has a millennial rain house. I think it's 25,000 square feet or something like that. So, so that'll be good enough for the millennial rain, in my opinion. It might not be in his, but if you ever watch him on TV when they do it in their house, and they do occasionally, it's like, that's nice. That's very nice. Even the yard is gorgeous. Sometimes they'll do the Believer's Voice of Victory out in their yard. And for a Texas yard, it's awesome. It is gorgeous. Hallelujah. Of course, you know, that's what I'm going to have in the millennial too, is a gardener. You know, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm not going to let Pastor be the gardener. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's good. He's really good, but he don't work hard and fast enough <laughs> to get enough, get, to get everything done I want done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he, he complains about watering my flowers in July. <laughs> Uh, spirit of faith, spirit of faith, hallelujah. I have all these very big, uh, I'm very committed in the spring to planting all these beautiful pots of flowers, and by July I've faded out, and I don't want to go out and water. 
<laughs> and it's like, and by August, they're just about gone. And, uh, you know, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 13. And the man waxed great. Isaac waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Say, that's me. I'm not going to stop growing, are you? Well, you'll stop growing, first of all, if you backslide, quit listening to the Word, quit coming to church, you know, you're going to quit growing. You're, gonna not, you're not going to meet your full potential that God has for you on earth. You can't take out a 10-year leave of absence and backslide for 10 years and expect to come out at the same place that somebody that just keeps on pressing. You know, we have to keep on pressing even when we don't feel like we're making any headway. And I felt that way before, but you just keep on pressing. Even when you know you're reading your Bible and it don't seem like you're getting anything out of it. It's still the Word of God. It's still life. The Bible says it's life, health, and medicine. Hallelujah. And so, uh, you know, we have to keep on going. And we also still have to stay in faith. Hallelujah. You're never going to be able to get out of this faith thing, so you might as well. You know, I used to think that one day I'd arrive at the place where everything would be easy. And I did. I really thought that. And I was in the restroom in K-Bob's restaurant in Andrews, Texas, and another pastor's wife was in there. I was in one stall, she was in another, and we're talking through the stalls. Women do that, you know. And so we, I'm saying, well, I just can't wait to get to the place where we're not going to have any problems. And she said, Debbie... That is never going to happen. And I'm like, what? You know, you know, um, hallelujah. And so you're going to be using your faith forever. Praise God. Verse 14 says, uh, He had possessions of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants. Say, I'm all about that. Servants. And the Philistines envied him. That's, that's right. They're supposed to envy you. They're supposed to be wondering, what are they doing? How do they do that? How come they, what, what's going on? Your kinfolks will wonder. Because see, your kinfolks know you after the flesh. And they'll be going, ah, something's weird about that. You know, they're not capable of that. They're not that smart. I know they can't do that. Well, we're not that smart. We have a God who's very smart. And as long as we obey Him, and submit to Him, we will thrive. We will prosper. So the Philistines were jealous and they wanted to stop Him. It's a great day when people get jealous and start wanting to persecute you. Hallelujah. Verses 22. And He removed from thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not. And He called the name of it Reboaboth, and He said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. And He went up from thence to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared unto him the same night, and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bless thee and multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. So, uh, hallelujah, God appears to him. Boy, that's a good thing when you start pleasing God and He starts appearing. Thank you, Jesus. You do not want Him to appear to you because you've been unpleasing. Paul, you know, you got appeared to on the road to Damascus. He wasn't pleasing God. We want Him to appear to us because we've been pleasing Him. So Isaac didn't give up. He wouldn't quit. And... Uh, the New Living Translation says, At last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper, thrive, flourish, succeed, advance, and grow vigorously in this land. Hallelujah. 
So in order to thrive in famine, we must keep doing what Isaac did, which was keep obeying God. Obedience is where the blessing is. We've already quoted this scripture, Isaiah 119, one of my favorite scriptures. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. I, I remind God of that. Lord, I've been willing. I've been obedient. I that doesn't mean you've never messed up. But, you know, did you know that there's a difference between messing up on purpose and messing up when you think you're doing what God wants to do, but you just missed it? But in faith, you're still trying to obey. You're after His heart. You want to do what's right. That's different. God will honor that. That's what, you know, I make a little confession in the morning said that He makes even my mistakes to prosper because of grace. He will when you did it in good faith, trying. You missed it. Maybe you didn't hear Him right. Maybe you were not thinking right or you've always thought a certain way and you just totally missed Him. But when you just refuse to obey, then that's a whole different situation, isn't it? Okay, uh, so we keep sowing seed. That's another way we thrive in time of famine. It's always a good time to sow into the kingdom of God. There's never a bad time. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 4, let's go over there. Right after Proverbs. And right before Isaiah. No, right before Song of Solomon, which is right before Isaiah. Ecclesiastes 11, 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If you're always saying, well, you know, it's just not a good time, and you know, we've got a payment due next week. Everybody's got a payment due next week. Even if you don't owe anything, you've got your electric bill coming. Hallelujah. You're going to have to buy gasoline next week. Nobody would ever sow in the kingdom if we regarded circumstances. Hallelujah. In the, uh, new, in the Amplified, it says, He who observes the wind and waits for all conditions to be favorable. Like Paulette told me, never going to happen. Never going to happen. Hallelujah waits for all conditions to be favorable, will not sow. And he re who regards the clouds will not reap. You know, if, you, if you're young, you say, well, I can't sow because I'm raising kids. Uh, or, uh, you know, my parents are sowing. You, you don't ever want, you want to you sow seed all you can now. Because when you get in college and you need it, you'll be a have a harvest. Amen. When I tell you what, that's why it's important for parents to have their little bitty kids sowing seed. When you need a car, my little kids sowed seed. They sowed big seed. Because Colin believed everything Joe Morris said. And every time Joe came, Joe would ring over and say, whatever the Lord said, whatever you... Um, whatever you're fixing to give, the Lord said double it. Colin would believe it and he would sow. And he uh, he didn't know Joe was teasing. He really believed, you know, that's what he was supposed to do. And... Uh, and so uh, they would sow seed when it came time for a car for Colin. It just kind of appeared. It just appeared. You know, we didn't have to think about it. We didn't have to worry about it. Same time for Eric to have a car, easiest thing in the world. They'd been sowing seed all their life. Been, been tithing and sowing seed. And always had money and, and people always handing them money. Well, that's because you're the pastors. No, it wasn't. There was a man drove up to our church one day and just looked over at Colin and said, I'll give you a motorcycle or a dirt bike, I guess it was. A dirt bike. 
He had never been to our church. He didn't know us from Adam. And he gave him a dirt bike. Wasn't much of a dirt bike, but it was a dirt bike. And Colin rode it up and down the alley. You know? Hallelujah. So, you know, you want to sow seed because you've got a future, youth. You have got a future. Future is coming. It is on its way. And you think your parents are going to do it for you, but they are living till you turn 18. They can't wait till you're 18. Hallelujah. They have a sign that's already made. Van Crouch used to say he had a sign on his refrigerator that said, My way or the highway. And they, your parents have a sign. They may not hang it till you're 18, but the day you're 18, the sign goes up on the refrigerator. My way or the highway. In other words, it is a privilege for you to live here. Before you were... Hallelujah. We have a friend that just got put his son in the car and drove up to the recruiting office and said, Sign the paper. And he did, and it was the best thing ever happened to him. He came home normal. The, somebody, some kids, the only thing that's going to get them right in their head is a Marine drill sergeant. I'd tell them, you can't even join the Air Force. I won't even let you. You are joining the Marines. And then I'm going to pray you home. You will not die, but you're going to think you're going to. <laughs> It'll be close. It'll be close. It'll be so close. I know. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. No, you know what? Unless you want to be right, you'll never be right. It don't matter if we send you to the Marines. We can send you anywhere. But if you don't want to get right and be right, if you don't want to be normal, you'll be abnormal all your life. You'll be a child when you're 50 years old and doing stupid things. But usually people that live like that, they don't live that long. So, okay, so keep, keep sowing seed. Keep tithing. Isaac tithed. How do we know that Isaac tithed? How do we know? Well, we know by this. Genesis 14.20 says Abraham gave tithes of all. So we know Abraham was a tither. But that still doesn't prove Isaac was a tither. Because there's people that are tithers that their kids don't tithe. But Genesis 18.19 says, For I know him, God said, I know Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. So one of the reasons God entrusted Abraham with covenant was he knew that he would command his children and that he would command his servants, of his household servants, and he knew that they would um, keep the way of the Lord. And parents, if you don't command your children after you, you are not pleasing God. You do not, let me just say this, you do not request and say please to your children. Now you might say, uh, please hand me my water, please hand me my glasses, but when you tell them to do something, it's not please, it's do this and do it now. You don't, come, you don't say please and you don't say thank you when you are giving them instructions. That is not how you parent. You say Stop that. You don't say, please stop that. No, you say, stop it right now. And right, and if you, they don't, you don't, and when they stop it, you don't say thank you for obeying your voice. Now, now does that mean you, 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 you may later say something like, you were very good today and you obeyed and I appreciate it. And that's a nice thing to say. 
or you're a very good little girl, or you're a very good little boy. You obeyed mama today, you did good. And so you compliment them, but you don't request with please that they obey you. You command your children after you. Not entreat, but command. And then whoever wrote the book teaching it that way, they were wrong. Hallelujah. So uh, our, our, our children need to know, I am the authority. And, if you, and that's how one of the ways you teach them to obey God. It's because God is not saying, now please would you do this? Laquina, please move to Alabama. No, Laquina, move to Alabama. Go. Go now. Don't ask why. Don't look back. Don't ask questions. Don't. He doesn't say please to us. Our Father doesn't say please to us. We say please to Him, but He don't say please to us. Hallelujah. He says go. Do this. Do that. And He even said in the New Testament, He said, I say to my servant, come, and he cometh. I say to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Well, my kids aren't my servants. What's wrong with you? I'm not saying servant in the sense they have a higher relationship, but they're here to be a blessing to you. And you bless them in return, but hallelujah. God gave them to you to be a blessing, not for you to do all the blessing. You know, we don't get to talk about parenting much, but we need to some. Hallelujah. Otherwise, we'll get to thinking like the world thinks. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So keep on walking by faith. That's another way that we uh, thrive in famine. Isaac didn't quit standing in faith. Hebrews 10.35, And the Amplified, Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great glorious compensation of reward. Psalm 92 12 through 14, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Another way we flourish in famine is we keep attending church. How do these people expect to flourish? Not attending church. Well, you know, for one thing, we've been taught in our religious church, religion has taught us not to expect anything from God. So when we're taught not to expect anything from God, we don't expect anything from God, so why go to church? Because we're not going to get anything anyway. <laughs> we're not taught that you're going to be rewarded for everything you do. And the rewards are earthly, not just heavenly. Hallelujah. And religion makes us feel guilty and beat up and instead of convicted. We ought to be convicted, but we should not feel guilty and beat up. And religion, religion teaches people to backslide. Every time, now this is, I, I, this is, you know we never say, if you want to rededicate your life in here. That just teaches you to backslide. You do not need to rededicate your life. You may need to commit to God, but we aren't going to tell you. And you know, some people have rededicated their life 5,000 times. Well, hallelujah. If you have to keep rededicating something is seriously wrong, get dedicated, stay dedicated, and don't come undedicated forever. Okay, let's can make this confession. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm going up higher. I'm going to keep obeying. I'm going to keep sowing. I am going to keep believing. I am going to keep receiving. I'm going to keep on walking by faith. 
in a time of famine, I will be thriving. I am prospering. I am flourishing. I am succeeding. I am advancing. I am growing vigorously. And I am increasing. Amen. Pastor, come.